I think that's just another plug into physicians. I think physicians tend to be an incredibly resourceful group. Um, I run a private practice like group on Facebook. There's 3,000 private practice psychiatrists on there. And the number of times I see like, I'm not really a business person. I don't really know very much about numbers. Should I start my own practice? It always amazes me because if we could like learn about the Krebs cycle and organic chemistry and, you know, get through pathology and vascular surgery and all the other things that we needed to do, you know, learning about business, learning about profits and losses is not a difficult thing to do. There's lots of resources to do that. And that that was essentially the time that we spent in Y Combinator. It was kind of full immersion with a ton of people there to help us. Um, but the knowledge is all there uh, and it's all like pick upable, um, especially for physicians. So I think it's always like interesting how we view ourselves versus how I think, you know, physicians actually truly are. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio, cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the crash course in cash flowing rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E, or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth, Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. We are so excited today to have Sipra and Shama with us. And these two, we actually have had in our community for a while, but had a chance to meet them at a conference a couple months ago, and just were blown away by some of the things that they're doing. So we're excited to have them here to tell their story. Welcome, guys. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. So for those who don't know you in our community, would you guys each mind telling us a little bit about you and about your physician background? Yeah, so I'm Shama Rathi. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist by training originally from New York, born, raised, trained in New York. Um, and after training, kind of went the telehealth route and was practicing digitally long before COVID, long before COVID really made telemedicine boom and was working inpatient eventually moved down to Florida. And that was six months before COVID hit. And it was actually a really interesting time in my life. I had just delivered my second child and I was about four weeks postpartum when the lockdown happened. And there was widespread furloughs happening. And, you know, I got the notice saying that inpatient, there was no more congregating more than 10 patients at a time. They were cutting the position. And I remember 
thinking like, huh, wow, did not really think this was in the plans when I signed up to go into medicine. And so, you know, I kind of found myself sitting around during COVID with a little bit of time on my hands and came across your course. And was really excited, had no idea about anything real estate related, but was really excited to kind of dive in. I think that was like June 2020. It was like the spring course. And the course took us all through the summer, ended in August or November. And we were just feeling so fired up after the course. We quickly got a triplex and then a tenplex and ended that year claiming reps claimed reps again the next year. And it has just really led us down this incredible journey to where we are today. Wow. Wow. That's massive action. Awesome. So Sipra, could you tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate and, and who you are? Yeah, so I'm Sipra Lada. I am an adult psychiatrist um, with a specialization in perinatal psychiatry. So I spent a lot of my time treating pregnancy and postpartum. And I am actually also Shema's sister-in-law. So she is married to my brother. And that's a part of the story. I'll get there in a second. But I trained at Emory. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, originally from New York. And after training, set up my own private practice right after training, which, uh, you know, was an amazing experience. My first like little toe into entrepreneurship and also worked in the hospital system and did a ton of locums and just learned a lot. I think about lots of health system care delivery and started to see the problems of women's mental health from a lot of different angles, but most importantly from the one as a mom. So I also have four kiddos and I had my twins during my chief year of residency where it was just a really interesting year for me. I was taking care of women in the perinatal clinic at Emory, seeing that they were often waiting for specialized care six, 12 months, um, and then going through high-risk pregnancy at the very same time where I was seeing every specialist under the sun and then realizing there was really no uh, mental health safety net that was built around women and then started to see the same things happen, not only in the community, but in practice. Uh, And so that's kind of where we got the start for Luna Joy, but coming back to real estate. So my brother and Shema came to visit us for prolonged periods of time during the pandemic because everyone was working remotely. And so they showed up for Christmas break and they stayed a month and every night they were getting on and like turning on your course and watching it. And my husband and I were like, what is this course that you're watching? Like, what what, what are we talking about real estate? And I've always been really interested in real estate. Like our first um, condo that my husband and I bought when I was in, you know, residency and he was in um, law school. We like flipped really very DIY, did projects on the weekends, sold for a profit. So we kind of knew that we were interested, but they were super interested and they were taking massive action, like, you know, purchasing this and using their cash on cash calculator. And so Shema and I, you know, started talking more too about like mindset and just setting goals and noticing when fear would creep in and being able to like do anyway and really becoming much more aware of like limiting thoughts. But um, that was how we moved more into real estate, um, a house that we had moved out of that we were planning on selling. We turned into a rental and just kind of continued from there. But definitely your course was like the beginnings of entrepreneurship and really, I think, recognizing fear as being a limiting factor. And the the other the other turning point for me was you guys were talking about your why. And I remember the scene in Italy with your family around a table. And I think it really caused me to take a step back and think about, aside from all the things that I was doing to keep busy, to think about what my why is and, you know, how to connect with what I authentically wanted. And so that was that was the beginning for us. 
Wow. Incredible. Okay. So you two were hanging out in Christmas break. How did Luna Joy really develop then? Um, Obviously, we're taking those steps in entrepreneurship. How did you decide to work together? And were there any challenges or fears with that? Yeah. So, um, you know, December, we had spent about a month together and we've been talking not only about real estate, doing real estate, but then also about a lot of the holes that we were seeing in psychiatry. There's a ton of care gaps. And um, you know, I think a lot of the things that we as moms were experiencing and seeing in our patients and another really interesting thing happened right around that time. So there was already a ton of volume that I was seeing coming into my practice, but it was getting to the point where we couldn't handle volume anymore. Like we were putting patients in on the weekends and here and there, and we kind of sat back and we're like, we need to figure out how to do something that's scalable in this space because we really kind of owe it to our patients. And so we talked about a number of ideas. And honestly, this is something that we've been talking about for 10 years, you know, since we've known each other, that roles for innovation in the space. And in April, the talking was continuing and continuing. And I actually had surgery. It was the first time I was on bed rest and not working for like 10 days straight. And so I called Shema, I think when the anesthesia wore off, like, 24 hours after surgery. And I was like, I I have nine days. Let's start. Like, let's start right now. Let's default to action. Let's do it. And she was like, Hey, yeah. Okay. Like, how are you feeling? And I was like, we have time. And we literally sent off incorporation documents the next day and just started sprinting and we've been sprinting ever since. So. Wow. So you had 10 days, but really, was there another piece that really led to this kind of decision making and taking action? Because I think a lot of people in real estate and also in business get stuck, right? And they oftentimes don't take action. So what spurred on that action? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really interesting you say that our biggest takeaway from like this entire journey is in addressing perfectionism. I think there is so much perfectionism in medicine. We have this exaggerated sense of responsibility and self-doubt and we have like complicated relationships with fear and so much of real estate had, you know, like taken that top off. I like very clearly around Christmas break, remember this period where it was like, you know, we'd gotten the 13 doors and it was like, oh my God, there's so much we could do. I mean, there's like mobile home parks, there's Airbnbs, like short-term rentals, long-term rentals, commercial. There's so much we can do. This is like not a strategy issue. It is really so much about mindset. And I think we were starting to have a lot of deeper conversations around how to get started. And so I think that's when we really started kind of practicing letting go of that perfectionism and just starting, just doing it, you know, sending off those LLC documents, starting the hiring process. I think right out the jump, we hired 10 people and it was like, now we're responsible. You know, we have that responsibility to figure out their roles and fill them up and whatnot. And that's kind of how we've been doing it over the course of the last year and a half. Yeah. The the other thing that I'll just add in there too, is I remember listening to your course and, you know, when we were thinking about real estate, there's all these reasons why not, right? You could get sued. There's liability. There's this, there's that. And Kenji, you told a story about like one of your properties. I don't remember where that got like badly vandalized. And I remember listening to the story and being like, that's, that's horrible. That's so bad. Like, and your response was like, and then that happened. And then we problem solved and then we moved on. And now like, you know, we can sometimes like handle these things. I remember thinking like, oh, problems are solvable. They're like made to be solvable. And so every time, even with the company that we thought about, you know, starting or what is the next thing that we're going to run into, I think prior, so much of our thinking was around like, well, what are all the seven problems that we're going to run into? What are all the places that this is risky? Um, And we as physicians all tend to be, I think, pretty risk averse. And I think even that very subtle shift from 
okay, we are going to encounter problems and let's just take that as a part of it and we're going to figure out how to solve it. It ended up making and moving those roadblocks to action that I think we had kind of held on to for so long. Wow, that is amazing. I love that. There's a number of themes in there about perfection and just moving forward, even if it's not perfect, that motion, that moving forward, that builds momentum. Uh, and I also love how you guys committed, right? You had, you know, all of a sudden you had people you're responsible for, so you had no choice. And so that's also an important thing is that, you know, taking action, putting in an offer, that's going to commit you to action. And uh, you have to follow a number of steps after you put in an offer or you put yourself in a situation where you don't have a choice. Uh, so I love that. So tell us about this company. I, I'm really curious. I, I want everybody to know about what you guys are doing and what problem you're solving. Yeah, so Luna Joy is a women's mental health company. Um, we're focused on care delivery services as well as integrating behavioral health care further into the health system. So doing collaborative care with OBGYNs and primary care doctors. But basically the big problem that we're solving, right, is Women's mental health is largely underserved. If we think about even just pregnancy and postpartum, one in five to one in seven women have not just perinatal like postpartum disorders, but pregnancy-related disorders. And we continue to see that during vulnerable life transitions, whether that's puberty or menopause. Um, and then the other thing that we're seeing is that less than 75% of these women get any kind of treatment, which is like a really big problem. And then it doesn't become just women's mental health, but it becomes family mental health and kids' mental health and child mental health. And then it's a problem that just develops like generational cycles around it, right? So that's a big problem. And it's a big issue with not only access to care, but conduits between medical care and mental health care. And so we're, we've kind of taken a trifecta approach where we've done some acquisitions and Shema can talk a little bit about that. And we've gotten technology with a platform and intelligent touch points to help increase engagement and personalization around women's mental health. And we're working directly with OBs um, and other practitioners to do screenings earlier during these vulnerable transition points, do collaborative care models, and really shift the paradigm from like crisis care, which is how most of mental health care is done in this country, to proactive rather than reactive care. And so acquisitions has been kind of a mainstay of growth. And then the other is using the early traction that we've had to have much higher level conversations with health insurance companies around value-based proposition mm -hmm. and other things to get out of like fee-for-service model. So I know I've, I've covered a lot, um, but that that's a summary of what we're doing. Amazing. You mentioned uh, you're growing by acquisition, and I and I find that interesting because uh, you know we took a a course uh, buy or exit a business, and we found so many parallels between buying a business and buying a property. So, can you tell us about the acquisition strategy? Uh, are you going out and buying competitors? Are you buying lists? Uh, what are you doing to grow your company? Yeah. So this is something that I think came up right after we had made the initial real estate acquisitions. I think there was a lot of buzz going around about buying businesses and a lot of colleagues and friends were like, you know, buying pizza shops or like lawn mowing companies and whatnot. And I was like, I remember scrolling at like 1am on broker sites and realizing people are selling like dental businesses and obesity medicine practices and psychiatry practices and whatnot. And it, it kind of started really organically. We connected with a couple of psychiatrists that were going out of practice. And, you know, I think 
there is this like tsunami of a trend of aging business owners wanting to leave practices, not knowing where they're going to leave their business and also wanting some sort of liquidity event. And so we kind of stayed in touch and networked and connected with these folks. And it is it has just been a bit of a slow nurture. But over time, we've we've have a couple of under our belt now and under due diligence for a few more right now. And each deal seems to get a little bit bigger and bigger. And that's really, really catapulted our growth. Yeah. And I think similarly to like the cash on cash calculator, right? Now it's a much quicker process when we're going in to evaluate a potential acquisition. We have certain parameters we're looking to meet. And then very quickly, usually within just a couple of days of digging into the financials, like understand whether it's going to be a valuable acquisition, why, what some of the drawbacks might be, and then, you know, how we want to proceed with it. So that's been kind of one major arm. The other one is just B2C, where people are coming in and finding us through like referral partnerships and things like that. And then the other is the direct plug into healthcare systems. So now working with like hospital systems and NICUs um, and OBs who just are out there really at like the forefront of the maternal health, mental health crisis by themselves and plugging into them saying like, we know you're doing these Edinburgh's, ACOG requires them. It's really difficult to take care of all of this on your own. You don't need to. So let us work with you to help offload some of this and collaborate with you really closely so that we can do a great job taking care of the patients that you serve. So it's been a multimodal approach. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. I want you people to hear how you've raised money, but I really just want to show like reiterate how much learning and how much progress you guys have made so quickly. <laughs> and I just wonder about like how, how you've managed this as mindset played a role, like what allowed you to do this? Because the amount you've probably learned over the last year, year and a half is incredible. Yeah, I think mindset has played um, a big role. I think also like the power of belief. It's really interesting how much a thought can spark, right? Thoughts then spark other emotions and behaviors that spark more emotions and behaviors. And, you know, we started this, like I was on bed rest in April. So we started April, 2021 and really kind of got our feet under us in October. And my brother, Shema's husband, who is also a physician, um, happens to have like a Harvard MBA and is much more plugged into the business scene than we were told us to apply to Y Combinator, which is a Silicon Valley-based accelerator. And he was like, you know, I don't know that you guys are going to get in. It's very competitive. It's 
harder to get into than Harvard, but you will get really focused in what you're doing because you're going to answer these questions and all these ideas that you have floating around is going to take focus and, and you're going to come up with a game plan and that's going to be really important. So we did this application, literally Shaman and I were like sitting in the closet in over Thanksgiving break because we have six kids between the two of us and they were screaming and being really loud and we had to make a video. And so we recorded this video and sent it off to Y Combinator. And then we got in, which we were not expecting. So YC has, it was an incubator for like Airbnb, for Coinbase, for just a number of other large startups. And we don't have startup backgrounds. Neither of us actually even have business degrees or anything like that. And it was really a pivotal moment for us where we had to make a decision whether we were going to like read the universe and see the signs that we were getting and kind of jump off this cliff knowing that nothing was guaranteed. Startups are risky. Um, we're both, especially me, like bathed in risk aversion. I like to, you know, know everything that I'm going to do before I do it. And so it was just a really big decision making point for us where we had to figure out, you know, do we take a chance on ourselves? Um, do we kind of go with this full force ahead or do we just kind of keep this as a side gig? And actually, this is kind of where Tony comes in because Shema dragged me to UPW and I didn't really know anything about Tony Robbins and I burnt my feet the first day. So I was not in a good mood. Um, so I was kind of sitting there like, Ugh, I'm not quitting my job, Shema. We're not doing Y Combinator. Like it was fun to get in, really amazing, but we're not going to do it. And by the end of those four days, it really caused me to to look at what were my underlying beliefs, what what was all the security that I was so focused on having, you know, what would taking a chance on myself really look like. And by the end, we both just kind of looked at each other and we were like, the mission is too big, the need is too big. This is kind of what we were made to do. There's no one better suited to come up with the solution um, than us. And went to Y Combinator. We were out there, you know, we have six kids between the two of us, like kind of very similarly, it's easy to think about all the things that could potentially get in the way, but we decided we needed to look at like, how are we going to make it work? You know, how are we, how are we going to get there? How are we going to do this accelerator where we were probably working like 12 hours a day for three or four months straight. And then we very quickly raised like a seed round of funding that came together in under three weeks, having like never raised before. So I think that there is something about like the power of belief, momentum, about being truly committed and aligned to what your authentic self is telling you to do that kind of takes on a like a, a movement of its own. And also doing it for others, because I want people to hear how that was ultimately part of your decision making was doing it because the need was there and that you you knew you could help people. I think that if you lead with that service first, it makes all the difference in in people wanting to help you. Mm -hmm. 100%. And also to Sipper's point about like us not having business backgrounds and being able to raise within like three weeks, there's something about not being from that world that makes us a little feel a little shameless. There's often rules like you have to do this and then that and then do this and then do that. But I think that naivety almost serves us in many ways. And the fact that we are so focused on serving women that it's just easy to reach out. It's just easy to get the resources that we need. Right. Because you're doing it for somebody else, right? Too. Because if you yep. fail, then the, then those patients are not going to be served. I mm -hmm. hope that everyone listening to this hears how somebody with these skills as a physician can and not having all those resources that you may typically think you can do you need can do this because I mean you guys are remarkable obviously very <laughs> remarkable and have done so so much but 
I want people to hear that if you believe in yourself and you're driven from service, that you really can achieve much more than you may initially think. And building on that, you you often say uh, when you don't accomplish something, it's not for a lack of resources, it's for a lack of resourcefulness. And I think resourcefulness is something that you guys have a lot of, right? And you were saying Mm -hmm. that maybe you guys didn't have the resources like an MBA and all these other connections that, you know, business school graduates might have, but you guys were resourceful. And I just love that. it's very, very clear uh, how you guys were able to do this with your resourcefulness. And I think that's just another plug into physicians. I think physicians tend to be an incredibly resourceful group. Um, I run a private practice like group on Facebook. There's 3,000 private practice psychiatrists on there. And the number of times I see like, I'm not really a business person. I don't really know very much about numbers. Should I start my own practice? It always amazes me because if we could like learn about the Krebs cycle and organic chemistry and, you know, get through pathology and vascular surgery and all the other things that we needed to do, you know, learning about business, learning about profits and losses is not a difficult thing to do. There's lots of resources to do that. And that that was essentially the time that we spent in Y Combinator. It was kind of full immersion with a ton of people there to help us. Um, but the knowledge is all there uh, and it's all like pick upable, um, especially for physicians. So I think it's always like interesting how we view ourselves versus how I think, you know, physicians actually truly are. Now, I know you guys have probably had a lot of challenges along the way, but I wondered if you could each tell us maybe a challenge that you've had and any learning that came out of that that could help some of our listeners who maybe want to get into business. Yeah, you know, I think um, a lot of the challenges for me have always related to to leveling up. I mean, there are so many things as a physician that feels uncomfortable. I mean, whether that's marketing or sales or connecting with other people, those are a lot of skills that I think had a different connotation for me. Um, And I think there was a lot of mindset work that needed to happen in order to connect with hospital systems and insurance payers and OBGYNs, or even if it's a retiring psychiatrist, you know, how do you approach someone and talk about money and how do you negotiate? How do you create win-wins? How do you do creative financing? All of those skills around negotiating and money and success and failure. Sometimes I lump that into like one umbrella of like stuff that I think as a physician, I just felt so unprepared for, and I didn't really know how to deal with it. I think it was really great having friends and colleagues, especially people that I met in Empire Builders, who were also grappling with similar issues. You know, once you go and get that triplex and that tenplex, and you're thinking, what's next? You're really trying to think about like, how much farther can I go? And you're really breaking, you're really coming up against so many securities and insecurities that you may not have known that you had. Um, I think for me, this idea of like managing other people has always been very scary. Um, And I was in solo practice for a long time because I was like, I, you know, can do good work and I can have control over my work, but anyone else would be like just a step too far. And now um, Shem and I have over 30 people in the country, in the, in the company. And that has been probably one of the most challenging, but also exciting things um, to, to, grapple with because management can be learned, right? It's a skill. It's not like a, just something that you're bestowed (laughs) upon. And so doing a lot of that growth work, um, kind of not just tolerating having to manage other people, but really figuring out how to love it and how to communicate and how to do all the things to put together, not just like a couple of happy people, but really a sustainable organization that can then continue, I think has been like a huge challenge, but also um, a huge learning. And we're going to continue to learn a ton, I'm sure in that department. Something uh, we encounter a lot in real estate is, uh, you know, partnerships. So I'm curious about your guys' partnership and how that's been any challenges uh, working together. 
Enjoys. Enjoys, exactly. <laughs> Enjoys. <laughs> So I, I, I'm happy to start off. I think one of the joys of working together has been like this trust um, that I think we already had kind of coming into this. I think also just being with family, there is this idea that, you know, in the end of the day, we can disagree, but it'd be like, I always want what's best for her and vice versa. Her kids are my nephews and nieces. They're very cute. You know, all of that sort of thing. So kind of coming in with this like basis of trust, I think has been a hugely stabilizing factor. And just like our working styles are very complementary to each other. She has a much more systematic approach to a lot of things. Um, I have more of a fly by the seat of your pants type of approach, which works for the different roles that we take on with the company. But in terms of challenges, I think it always comes down to communication. And when there are high stakes, little sleep, and lots of decisions that need to be made quickly, sometimes without all of the information, because that's just, I think, the the way that startups often are. When our communication is suffering or when we just don't have time to communicate or bandwidth to communicate, that's probably when we see more friction. Uh, And like anything, I think taking like proactive steps has been helpful. We have like a business coach, a co-founding coach that we speak with pretty regularly that we should probably speak with more regularly. And so I think we found ways of like mitigating some of that, again, by trying to be proactive, by getting good coaching. And then we also both have independent groups of people that we go to that are in similar partnerships that we can get advice, feedback, and mentorship from. Yeah, exactly what Zipra said. I remember the first time she was like, we should do this together. And I was like, "Um, this is strange. I've never really had a partnership outside of my marriage. And this is going to be really strange. You're my sister-in-law. We have very different ways of working. Are we sure about this? But it has been such a blessing to have such diverse skill sets. I think it's such an amazing balance. And I think, you know, just to add to what she was saying, one thing that has really, really aligned us has been having a very clear vision, knowing exactly where we're going to go one year, three years, five years from now. And so, you know, the strategy is kind of always on point. Uh, The decisions that we're making are always coming from that place of this is where we want to be. I want to know your five-year strategy now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Where are you guys going to be in five years? That's true. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, in five years, the goal is to be in most major medical systems um, for collaborative care to exist, not only on the OBGYN level, but that connection to already happen when a woman delivers or gives birth for there to be preventative and group like puberty strategies for pediatricians. So they're not alone in dealing with a mental health care crisis. And then for the perimenopausal age group women who are often overlooked, who have really high suicide rates to be connected in with mental health care that is like cost effective, easily accessible, uh, and right there at their fingertips to be covered in network with most major payers and working on value-based care and contracts. So we're not just meeting with people a whole bunch, but we're really looking and focused on high quality outcomes. Beautiful. I'm really excited. Yes. Super excited for you guys. This is incredible what you're doing for the world. Before we go on to our last two questions, I just really wanted to know if you guys had anything you wanted to say to people who are listening here who want to be entrepreneurs, who want to follow in your footsteps, what kind of advice would you give to them? My biggest take home is just a default to action. I think staying open is where the magic happens, saying yes to all of that. It just opens you up to optionality. Um, and I think for both of us, that's really where we've seen tremendous growth. Yeah, I would say something very, very similar, which is to be really like aware and insightful of your thoughts. And that's, again, something that you don't need to do alone, whether it's a coach or therapy. Um, I think the the biggest investment that we can make is in ourselves and being really open and honest with ourselves about things that are getting in the way and developing like a more flexible framework of thought. So thoughts that are limiting thoughts don't have to be limiting thoughts forever. And if we can't figure out how to do that alone, like 
get the right company, go to the right groups, meet the right people, and put yourself around people who are doing things that you want to do so that you can kind of figure out a pathway there as well. Love it. Well, maybe some of these tips uh, are going to be tied to these two questions, but let me ask you these questions anyway. Uh, The first one is, what is your definition of wealthy? Wealthy has always meant freedom to me. And I think, you know, this summer, Sabra and I took all six of our kids and our families and our nannies to Europe for a month. And I remember specifically the moment when we were in Spain and thinking like, this is what we've been working for, for the last two and a half years. Um, And that really encompasses wealth for me. And just to clarify, we didn't like go on vacation for a month. We were definitely like very busy running a business abroad for a month, but it was wonderful, wonderful and amazing to be able to do it from, you know, a different place and have that time with our kids and have that experience with our families. And for wealth for me, uh, means not only freedom, but also like being able to be authentically aligned with your true self. Um, And so being able to, you know, use your resources, your time um, to do things that truly speak to you and fill your cup and being in that setting. Wow. And then what is one mindset, habit, or strategy that separates someone who is wealthy versus someone who is not? So I'll I'll go first. Gratitude, um, I think, is like a huge thing that separates people who are wealthy from not wealthy. And I think that that's one thing, you know, it's a cognitive trick. There's a lot of evidence behind it, um, like scientific evidence behind it. But really, for me, every step of the way when I, you know, there's always problems, there's a lot of problems constantly. But when I bring myself back to the things that um, I have a lot of gratitude around, whether it's how far we've come or the things that we're doing, it it always helps center and ground us, I think, in the current moment. So, mm-hmm. so something we learned at a recent event was it's a, it's a practice as well. It's a daily practice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, and I would add, you know, trusting in your inner resourcefulness. I know we touched on this earlier, but I don't think any of this journey necessarily gets easier. You maybe sometimes feel like you get a little bit better at it, but really trusting that you're able to, you know, eat problems for breakfast, I think kind of helps really set up the day sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And for somebody who wants to connect with you, who are totally blown away by what you guys have done. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like we are completely, how, what would be the best way for them to be able to reach you to? Yeah, um, if they would like, they can shoot us an email. Um, so my email is my first name, S-I-P-R-A, Cipra at HelloLunaJoy.com. Would love to hear from anyone that's, you know, interested in connecting. So the other thing I want to just note is you guys aren't currently fund uh, fundraising yet right now because you're overfunded. But down the road, I, I'm sure there'll be more opportunities. So hopefully uh, people are inspired by hearing this and hearing what you guys are doing and uh, want to be part of it, too. So thank you both for your time. And it's just such a, I'm so grateful for getting to know you guys and and having you share your story here with people. And I know that it's really going to help a lot of people to see what's possible for them. So thank you both. Yeah, thanks for having us. We appreciate the opportunity. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results.
You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.